Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Matter of Public Health. It's the podcasting service of the Kent County Health Department, located in Grand Rapids, Michigan. On this episode, we're turning our attention to a national story that has captured global attention, and it should serve to remind all of us of the deadly impact of a disease that most of us probably don't think all that much about. Our story begins on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol on the evening of Monday, April 4th, 2022. A United States representative from California, Ami Bear, was walking on Capitol grounds when he says he felt something lunge at the back of his legs. When he turned around, he saw a fox running away from him and discovered that the animal had bit him through his pants. Barrett contacted authorities, and the subsequent investigation revealed that not only had he been bitten by the fox, but so had at least eight other people. Authorities captured the fox the next day, and by Thursday had confirmed through postmortem testing that the animal had rabies. In the meantime, Barra, who is an MD, had already started a course of rabies treatments and reports that he's feeling healthy. Now, DC Health says that it has also captured three kits that they say are offspring of the infected fox and have euthanized those animals as well, saying they were likely exposed to the disease. Right now, there is no word on confirmatory rabies testing of the kits. This story has set off a firestorm on social media that ranged from outrage about the euthanasia to one user tweeting, I'm guessing that fox is not the only rabid thing on Capitol Hill. Rabies is an incredibly rare disease in the United States. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says there are usually one to maybe three human cases every year here, but it is always fatal. Now, there are nine people who have possibly been exposed to the illness in just one incident. And we know at least two of them, the representative and a reporter for Politico, who have started on the course of rabies shots. As of the time of the recording of this podcast, there are a ton of unanswered questions about these stories, but you should know this. Rabies does exist, and it's very commonly found in animals right here in Michigan. And you should also know that one little scratch or bite from an infected animal can lead to death if it is not discovered in time and treated properly. Joining me now is Angela Hollinshead. She is the director of the Kent County Animal Shelter and Kathy Armstrong, who is the program supervisor of the Communicable Disease Division here at KCHD. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. I am curious, what was your initial reaction when you first heard about this story? So it's not unusual that we have rabies exposure happen in, in our wild populations when they come into contact with you know, our, our urban areas particularly. But the, the thing that really stands out with this case is just the sheer number of people that have been exposed. And my question is always going to be how many more people have been exposed that haven't come forward yet. Um, you know, the, the really sad part about this virus is it's usually 100% fatal. And if there are people that have had exposure from this particular fox, you know, symptoms may not develop for months and months. And, and 
how many of those people are still out there that we have no idea have had this exposure. Kathy, first thoughts. I thought it was a crazy story. And I also agree that I was concerned about how many people were bitten that weren't aware of it. And so hopefully those people are being identified and can start rabies treatment. It was very sensational to me. And when you think about the numbers who walk through that area, this happens on the mall near a Senate office building, I believe Russell office building. There are literally tens of thousands of people who walk through there every day. This city is one of the most visited cities on the planet. They come from Boston to Bangladesh, from Tucson to Tucumcari every day to come to Washington, D.C. They could all be going on their way. And so it wouldn't surprise you. Is that fair to say? It wouldn't surprise you to see cases come months down the road? I wouldn't necessarily be surprised by that. I mean, I would hope that wouldn't happen. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of visitors to that area. And if even looking at language barriers, if somebody is visiting from another country and they may not have the information on how to communicate um, or even a way to contact local officials that they've had an exposure to a bite from an animal, um, they may just not think much of it and go out their way. I agree. And also, when we have people who are from other countries, I'm not sure that the news may actually make it to them. Right. And so, you know, we have to make sure that the story gets out there internationally so these people that may have traveled from other countries can be aware of it and take proper precautions. Yeah, and people experiencing homelessness who may not have access to this information either. So it's going to be, right. it has the potential to be a long protracted story. But I think one of the interesting things to me, the reason I wanted to do this podcast was because this does happen in Michigan. There are a lot of animals that we know of in Michigan that do have this disease. Talk to me about that a little bit and your experience and what the Kent County Health Department can do to help. So in 2021, uh, the Michigan Department of Agriculture reports that they had 49 animals that tested positive for rabies in the state of Michigan. And one, one, uh, one of them was a dog in the city of Detroit. The rest were bats. Most of the exposures that we see in the positivity comes from bats. Um, and, you know, really it just comes down to trying to get as many of those reported and as many of those animals that have had exposure to humans tested. Okay. How can we help people? Uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard stories of friends of mine who say, well, I woke up with a bat in the room and Dan, he just took the thing and threw it right out the house. I'm like, I don't know. I think you probably want to get, you want to do something about that. Yes, actually, that's the thing that I worry about the most when I receive a call from the healthy or from a visitor that has a bat in their home. And so my advice is always to just call the health department initially to find out if there's a risk. Our nurses go through a risk assessment with every single person. And while not every bat is not every situation you're at risk for rabies, we want to identify those situations where you are at risk so we can test the bat if the bat is available. And we also want to make sure that we get the bat brought to the health department or to the animal shelter for testing because if the bat is gone, we have to assume based on the risk that it's a positive bat. And so they would have to go through rabies shots. And while rabies shots are considered to be 100% effective if given at the proper dates that they're required, it's still better to test the bat because the cost and the emotional uh, disturbance and the physical time that it takes to get the 
shots is quite substantial. It can cost thousands of dollars to get the rabies shots. And so if we can just prevent trips to the emergency department or other places for those shots, then we can then we can save a lot of money in distress to people. So I have a bat in my house, and I don't really think I got bit. Uh, can I be sure of that? Would you bet your life on it? <laughs> I mean, really, it comes down to the fact of the testing is free and it's available. You just have to get the bat to us, and, and we would be happy to ensure that that animal that was in your house does not have rabies. It's that simple, and it, it really is a life-saving test because uh, some people can be bitten by bats while they sleep, and they have such small teeth, you don't even know you've been exposed. Yeah, I hear it. I hear from people who have been bitten that it feels like a mosquito bite. And so it's not like you would wake up to a bat uh, bite or being bitten by a bat. Yeah, so it's a better safe than sorry because, and if I bring this bat in and it does not have rabies, I can avoid this entire course of treatment. I've got I've got some reassurance there and I've got the I've got the, the security there. Exactly. You're really just out of time that you spent providing the bat to us. So there's nothing else that you have to worry about. Now this story starts on foxes. We focus on bats. Uh, other animals can carry rabies as well, too. So we test um, a lot of different types of mammals for rabies, Uh, bats being one of the main ones, but there's also raccoons are going to be the next in line. Um, There are animals that generally are not tested for rabies, so if you have exposure to one of these animals, it's important to report it, but these types of animals are rarely infected and have not been known to really transmit rabies to humans. Some of those species are chipmunks, mice, um, guinea pigs and hamsters, rats, rabbits, things like that. Um, But really, we want to stress, if you're ever bitten or have exposure to a wild animal or a mammal, to just report it and let the health department make a determination on how they can best help you. How often do we hear of this in foxes? Um, You know, I've been here for almost a year now, and I don't think we've had any fox exposures locally. Ours are, like I said, mostly bats and raccoons. But, you know, it's not out of the question. We had a gentleman several years ago for another organization I worked for who hit a coyote on the side of the road and got out of his vehicle and felt the need to touch it, and it bit him. Um, You know, that was a good instance of this animal needs to be tested for rabies because there's just always that risk. Thankfully, it came back negative. Um, but you just really never know when that exposure or how it's going to happen. We just really want to stress everybody to be very safe and try to avoid handling wildlife whenever possible. Talk to me a little about the disease of rabies. If, uh, if I do contract it, what can I expect? I understand it's a, it's a horrible outcome. So rabies virus, it affects the neurological system in the body, and it it can actually sit dormant for several months. Uh, There was a gentleman in 2009 in northern Michigan who was bitten by a bat, um, and his symptoms didn't develop for about nine months. So once that happens, even in an animal or a human, we generally call that the point of no return. Once you hear of those classic rabies symptoms, the foaming at the mouth, the aggression, um, at that point, there's no there's no saving that that animal. So if I think, or maybe I'm not even sure if I've been bitten, it's not it's not something you go. Well, we'll just wait and kind of see how it goes. Yes, uh, post exposure vaccines uh, are are like like are very very effective, and it, it's something that it's available to us. We should be grateful that in the United States we have access to this, and we should always take advantage of it if we have any kind of exposure, because really at the end of the day, it could save your life. We've made huge strides in this country with with rabies, and uh, some other countries in the world don't enjoy this. What 
What's the secret of our success here? I think just having the availability of testing and the availability of the vaccine is our success because the test is 100% accurate as well as the vaccine. So the countries that don't have the availability of those are just, you know, have higher rates of, of rabies than our country does. And actually the incubation period for rabies, which is the amount of time that it takes for you to start showing the symptoms, it can be as little as seven days to as long as a year. So we don't want to look at something and say, yes, I can wait, but we also don't want to react quickly when it's possible that we can test the bat. So some people might test the bat or some people who are bitten might go to the hospital because they have a bite and the hospital will start rabies post-exposure shots. And so, uh, but if we can test that bat, then we have, you know, we get the bat results back usually within 24 hours of when it's sent in. So we do have time to prevent those type of hospital visits. And so we do try and talk to people and have, hopefully they will call us before they go to the hospital so we can kind of tell them what to expect as far as the timeline of when they should get the shots. If you could encapsulate what maybe the, like the most important thing that people listening to this podcast, if there's one fact, one thing you want them to take away after they've listened to this podcast, what would it be? For me, it's don't let the bad out the window until you have determined that there is absolutely no risk because there are many situations where there might not be a risk. We talk about very specific uh, guidance of what is a risk and what isn't. And so we just want to make sure that the people know that they don't have a risk before they let the bat out. And then I'd like to add one more, which is just to make sure that the bat is captured without it being, without it being injured, because to test the bat, the bat has to have a brain and brainstem intact. So if someone were to like smash it with a book or something, then that that could potentially affect the outcome of it being able to be tested. And like I said, if there's a bat that's untestable, then we have to assume that it's positive. Okay, now I got to ask you because I've had a bat in my house in the past. And you have any useful tips for trying to capture a bat? Because it's not an easy thing. I've heard many stories about the way people capture bats. Someone would, I heard someone that would use a, used a bed sheet and was kind of flopping it around. Someone had a net and someone was actually using a tennis racket to swap it down to the ground. I don't know if, if you have any ideas either. Cause I, I have, when I, I've had a bat in my house before a couple of times and one time it just never stopped flying until I could get it out the door, which it came in and left while I was sitting there, so I knew that I wasn't exposed to it. Right, or the second, or the second, it it does. I'm exhausted from chasing it around. Is the one second it does finally sit there for a half a second, and then as soon as you, it's like running around with a fly swatter, right? Angela, how do I catch a bat <laughs> safely? Safely, safely. So, if you if you you know, there's always options of if it's a you know confined to a room, you can always if you're not comfortable, check with a pest control company. They have the ability to come in and do that as well for you. That does come with a fee. Um, but if you're petrified of bats and you really want to make sure you capture this thing safely, you can always use a pest control company. And do it correctly. Yes. Uh, if you are a fearless human being, you can obviously try different methods. I would probably recommend confining it to one room, shutting the doors, leaving it in there. 
um, and then using, you know, different types of methods, but really just keeping in mind that you want to prevent exposure as much as possible. So if you have not been bitten by this bat that you know of, but it was in your room while you were sleeping, you don't want to ensure that you are actually going to be end up <laughs> bitten by this thing. Um, so really just make sure that you're trying to be safe while you're doing it. And, and if all else fails, have a pest control company help you. Also wear gloves and, you know, you right. could potentially... Avoid exposure while yes. you're doing it, right? Put some gloves on. I mean, if you're going to somehow have to touch this bat, then you don't want your, your hands touching it. So have some gloves on. I would even consider putting on, like myself, I would put on like a, a hat or a... Maybe I'd put on something, a mask or something. Suit of armor. Yeah, a suit of armor. <laughs> <laughs> I was finally able to get him with a rolled up piece of the Wall Street Journal. I swatted him down to the ground, and I managed to get a bucket on top of him and then slide a piece of cardboard <laughs> underneath the bucket, and voila, got him out of the house. All right. We're going to continue to keep an eye on this story because I think there's going to be some future developments. What kinds of things do you look for coming out of this as we as we go forward? You know, I, I really hope that we don't have any more any more people come forward and, and, you know, let everybody know that they were exposed. I hope that there were no other exposures. Um, you know, part of the reason that we don't see this really regularly in the United States is most states have a really rigorous requirement for canine and feline pets to be vaccinated for rabies. Right. Um, one of the best things you can do to protect yourself and your family is, you know, aside from reporting exposures and things like that, to make sure your pets have current rabies vaccines. Um, pets that have rabies vaccines and are exposed to animals that are rabid have a lot uh, easier time uh, doing quarantine and follow-up and things like that. Um, and, and the health department in the Kent County Animal Shelter has a really great list of, of uh, tips and ideas and follow-up information in case you have a bat in your house and it's exposed to one of your pets, or if you're, you know, if your dog's out in the yard and it gets in a fight with a raccoon, for example. Uh, we have some information going forward on how we can handle those situations and make sure that your pet and your family stays safe. And where can I access that information? So all of our information is going to be at www.accesskent.com forward slash KCAS. That's the animal shelter landing page, and there is a, a section there in animal control that outlines information about rabies and um, things like that. Kathy, if I got a bat in my house and I want to call the Kent County Health Department, the best number to do that? It's 616-632-7228. 7228. All right. Very good. Thank you. Uh, thank you, folks, for joining me. Any, any last thoughts, last words you'd like to put it's out here? Rabies will be here. It's going to be here for a long time, and the best thing we can do is protect ourselves and make sure that we, you know, avoid it at all costs and follow proper procedures when we have exposure just to keep everybody safe. All right. Thank you very much for joining me for this episode, and I want to thank our listeners for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you like what you hear, click that subscribe button. You'll never miss another episode of A Matter of Public Health. A Matter of Public Health is the podcasting service of the Kent County Health Department, located in Grand Rapids, Michigan. A Matter of Public Health is available on Apple Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Steve Kelso, Kent County Health Department Communications Manager, and until next time, here's to your health.